Welcome to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast, the place to be if you just want to connect with other special educators, if you want to gain insights and strategies, or obtain resources to help you in your journey as you grow as a special educator. Today, we're going to talk about incorporating games into your classroom to enhance the learning and engagement. And I always liked to incorporate games into my classroom and the students absolutely loved it. And today we're going to talk about that because it is January 2nd, the day before most schools will return back from a two week winter break. And it's actually one of the best times to incorporate games into your classroom. Starting with games after the break, it welcomes the students back and it helps to build up their endurance before going hardcore back into work, right? So we want to build up their endurance a little bit. And so it's kind of good for when they first come back to just give them a little break and kind of slowly introduce or slowly build up their endurance. Now, other times that I have used games and other really good times to use games, of course, is at the beginning of the year. It's great to use games as icebreakers at the beginning of the school year. And other times are any kind of break. So your Thanksgiving break, your spring break, any time when you're returning from a break. And also after high stakes testing, right? That gives them a little bit of time to relax and sort of give them, reward them for all of the work that they've done throughout the school year up to high stakes testing time for a break, relaxation. So there are also, I'll talk about some quick games that can be played when you finish a lesson a few minutes before recess and you have a few minutes to spare or uh, at the end of the school day to be used as a filler so that your students don't get too restless. But games can be beneficial in so many ways. And so I will share some of the games that I have had success with in the past. And then I will also share some of the games were suggested by other teachers. So all of the games that I will talk about, I haven't used all of them, but other teachers have recommended them. First, let's talk about how games can be so beneficial for your classroom. So one, it provides a break from the traditional lesson structure breaks up the monotony. It also reduces teacher talking time by putting the focus on student interactions. It encourages healthy competition between classmates, which helps build social relationships, helps build social skills. It teaches the students how to win and lose gracefully, right? Because as a teacher, you're, you're going to be monitoring their play. And so you can intervene and model and, and show the students how you win gracefully and lose gracefully, right? It teaches turn-taking, fairness, patience. So this is great for students with autism, actually, to um, introduce them to and have them engage with the classroom and other general education students through games. It encourages students to work through challenges. And sometimes, depending on the game that you play, it encourages them to work through challenges together. It encourages creative and strategic thinking. And I could go on and on, but it's definitely very beneficial to incorporate games into your classroom. The first one that I'm going to start off with is a game that I think most teachers should be familiar with, and and many kids might be familiar with it as well, 
although maybe they haven't played it, but Checkers, right? And Checkers is actually great for kids with with ADHD, especially if they are competitive children with ADHD, especially if they are competitive. Checkers helps to build concentration skills. It helps the student to make sound judgment calls. Now, maybe in the beginning when they first start playing, they won't. But as they make plays and they're plays that are the wrong plays or plays that lead to one of their men being taken, then what it does is as time goes on, it reduces that impulsivity and they're going to think longer and they're going to anticipate their plays. And if I make this play here, then what's going to happen? And so they'll actually start to study the board and slow themselves down and take time to make moves. Where at the beginning, when they first start learning how to play, they're they're not going to do that. They're not going to take the time. But once again, like I said, especially if they're competitive and they start, they make the wrong move and, and one of their men gets jumped or their king gets jumped, then they're going to slow down and they're going to study the board more and they're going to think about their next move and what consequence that next move might mean for them. And so in turn, the students learn the consequences of their impulsivity and it really helps. It also helps with problem solving skills and strategizing skills. How do we play checkers? So to, for those that don't know how to play checkers, to win a game of checkers, your goal is to capture or block your opponent's pieces so that they can no longer make a move. Another game that my students loved playing was Connect Four. And Connect Four has a lot of the basic benefits. A lot, you learn a lot of the skills sort of that we talked about when we talked about checkers. But also, Connect Four can help with buildings, it encourages players to plan ahead, looking out for opportunities to connect the four discs together. But it also provides the opportunity for kids to, students to detect patterns and be able to predict the outcome of alternative moves, similarly to checkers. And for those that have never played Connect Four, the object of the game in Connect Four is to be the first to connect four of your own discs of the same color next to each other, either vertically, horizontally, or diagonally, right? So the way that we play, you choose a color, and then the students would take turns dropping the colored discs, either red or black, from the top into a seven-column, six-row, vertically suspended grid. This next game is very unconventional. However, it is actually a game that I used one of my first years as a teacher working with students that were identified as emotionally disturbed high school, and they were high school students, and they liked craps. They liked dice. And so I thought, well, craps is math. You have to know, or you should know when you're playing it, probabilities, And so I thought that this could be a teachable moment if I could find a way to legitimately teach it or the rules in the classroom. So what I did was I said, we will talk about probabilities by using craps as examples. And I said, the only thing though, is that we are not going to 
refer to dice as dice. We're going to refer to them as random number generators. And if we refer, refer to them as random number generators, we can talk about the probabilities in craps. So for example, a pass line, the pass line in craps, you win with seven or 11. So if you can win with a seven or 11 betting on the pass line, then basically there are eight ways to win. And so if there are eight ways to win, that would mean your chances of winning are eight out of 36, which would mean that you have a 22% chance to win. Now, I don't know, but I don't know if if people knew that actually played craps, that they only had a 22% chance to win when they bet on the pass line, I wonder if they would still bet. <laughs> I don't know. And another thing that I learned while I was learning how to play craps, because of course you have to know how to play it in order to teach it. And I didn't know how to play it before I taught it. I learned that there is no combination that beats the house. There is no combination that beats the house. And I just wonder, do most people that play craps actually, do they know this? So anyway, it can be a really teachable moment. It can also teach them a thing or two about gambling and whether it's as profitable as they think it is, or if their chances of winning are as good as they think their chances of winning are. So in any case, we had lots of fun with that. We did learn and they learn probabilities by examining the odds of craps. If you can do that, and the reason that I'm talking about this and I'm bringing this up is because, yes, it's very unconventional, but they mastered probabilities because it was relevant to them. Crops was relevant to them and it was engaging to them and it was a real life experience for them. So I just talk about this and bring this up to get your creative juices flowing. Are there some things uh, that are relevant to your students that you can use and incorporate into your lessons for something that they need to learn. All right, the next game that I would like to talk about is charades. Another game that you can incorporate into your classroom and charades is something. This is a game that is great for indoor recesses or it can be used when you have say three to five minutes to spare before the next class. You don't need a whole lot of time. You can choose one or two students to act out. Charade is a game that can be played for a whole period, but it can also, it's something that you can play for just a short period of time, three to five minutes until the bell rings or something like that. If you have, this can be used as a filler, you can do one charade, right? So charade, how do we play it? You have to act out a phrase without speaking, right? Well, the other members of your team try to guess what the phrase is. And students love when the teacher does the charade because they love to see the teacher. It's funny to see the teacher being silly, right? Or make it making a fool of yourself. And sometimes in charades, that's what you do. <laughs> and so the students love that. So if you have three to five minutes to spare before uh, the bell rings, Charade is a perfect filler game where you can act out a phrase or a word. I was one of those teachers I didn't really like charade. I didn't really like to play charades, but I did do it. I wasn't really good at charades, actually, but I did do it. I did it because my students enjoyed doing it. They liked to do it. And so I got out of my comfort zone and I play charades with um, my students. And this was one, this was one that was popular with younger students and older students because I've taught from 
kindergarten all the way up through high school, and charades was one of those that was popular with all of the grade levels. The next few games that we are going to talk about, these are games that were highly recommended by other teachers. I haven't personally incorporated the next few game the uh, the next few games that we're going to talk about into my classroom. Uh, I didn't know how to play them. I I didn't, but um, but these were highly recommended by other teachers. So one boggle, which is a head to head word search game. And it helps to expand your English vocabulary. So this is something that would be great for all grade levels. The English vocabulary is so vast. There's always room for improvement and to grow and learn new words. So how do we play Boggle? You have 16 letter cubes, a sand timer, and the instructions. And what comes with the game, it includes a Boggle grid base and a lid. The object is to find the most words to win. So you shake up the letters, you flip the timer, and then you spot the words as fast as you can. And this is one where you, you can also play this solo and try to beat your high score, or could this, this could be played with several people. That's Boggle. Another game that can be used to expand your English vocabulary and your ability to manipulate words would be Scrabble. And I think most people have heard of Scrabble. I don't know if everyone has played it, but Scrabble is a classic game for language learners. You can use Scrabble to practice spelling. You can use Scrabble to challenge a student's vocabulary. And as a teacher, you know, don't be afraid. Play along with them as a teacher. And you can inject interest and surprise by introducing your class to more advanced or obscure words. And um, while playing, remember, keep a dictionary handy to clear up any disagreements, right? You want to ensure that the students understand parts of speech and encourage them to make other word forms, create verbs from nouns and things of that sort. So Scrabble, that's a, a classic game that can certainly be incorporated into your classroom. Balderdash is another one. Another name, Balderdash is apparently sometimes called dictionary. This is one that I have not personally incorporated, but it's highly recommended by other teachers. And in Balderdash, students are given an infrequently used or obscure English word, and then they're asked to create a definition for it. And then after being read aloud, the players vote for the definition that they think is correct. So the points are awarded for guessing correctly and also given to students whose false definitions receive votes. And so I I can see how this could be a really fun game, interesting, engaging game for students to play and how they could be really engaged in trying to figure out, well, what does this word mean? Could it mean this? Could it mean that? And trying to come up with your own definition for this word. So I could see how this could really be engaging. And I could see how this could be engaging for every grade level, including high school students. So, and it's a great way to relax students, right? Encourage healthy competition. And while at the same time, you're simultaneously using language. So great game. It sounds like a great game. And um, let me know if you decide to incorporate in this to your classroom, how it goes. This next one is actually my favorite board game, Monopoly. Now, Monopoly is beneficial in so many ways, but I know the challenge for Monopoly, at least, that I had was that 
How do you find the time to play it? Because Monopoly is a game that can last days, can go on for, I mean, hours and hours and hours. So how do you incorporate it into your class? Let's talk about the benefits and then I'll share some strategies. I'll share with you how I incorporate it into my classroom. So uh, Monopoly is a game about real estate, right? How to build wealth. It teaches financial literacy. It teaches the value of a dollar, spending money, budgeting, rent and mortgage. And it teaches the concept of owning properties versus renting properties. And if you don't own real estate and monopoly, you lose, right? And yes, you have your little salary, that $200 every time you pass go, but how long will that salary last? How far is that salary going to take you, that $200 a month every time you pass go? In Monopoly, in, the, in order to win, you've got to purchase real estate. And you know what? Do you need to purchase real estate in order to win in life, at least financially? That would be a great question to ask in order to open up dialogue. Anyway, you're planning ahead in Monopoly because you got to save that money. You get that $200 after you pass go. Do you just spend it on anything or are you saving up so that you can purchase that your favorite property, whether it be boardwalk or park place or the utilities or the railroads? Like, what are you saving your money for? It teaches the value of a dollar by spending Uh, It teaches basic math, right? Because you have to make change, how to make proper change and all of those things. I could go on and on about Monopoly. So how can you incorporate Monopoly into your classroom given the time, the time constraints? If you're teaching a high school and you have block periods, you can do Monopoly in block periods. You may need two block periods, but it can certainly be done. It could be done every Friday or every other Friday where you just have to record where the students left off and then continue every successive Friday or every other Friday. And this could be a project where the students have to follow up after where maybe they have to write an essay. What did you learn about financial literacy? Or is it important to own real estate if you want to build wealth? Um, How many, how much money will you need to earn Uh, every year in order for you to live the lifestyle that you want. Uh, Create create your monthly expenses, create a budget. So many things that you could do to build on this project if you want to turn it into a project because the amount of time required to play this particular board game. Last game is, and this is actually a game that I made up. And the reason that I want to talk about this game is because I want you to to give you the ideas, right? That sometimes you can create your own game. Kids can make up their own game. Maybe there can be a competition where, you know, we each student tries to, to make up their own game and play it and see how it works and see if everyone likes it. Here's one thing that I learned, and especially with the younger students. If you preface anything with the title game, they pretty much buy into it, at least for the short term. 
I created a game. This was my first year teaching kindergarten and I, I was not experienced working with kids that young in kindergarten. And so beginning of the school year and we would sometimes have a minute or two left over before recess and the students would start to get restless and they were sitting on the carpet and we've got a minute or two to spare. So I, cre- I made up a game. I just made up a game and I called it the quiet game. I called it the quiet game and they bought into it. (laughs) So here's what we did. I just said the object of the game is whoever can be silent and quiet for whatever, one minute or two minutes. And the students that can be quiet for one minute or two minutes, those are the winners. And I just had a digital timer and I put it on our class grease board and I started the timer at whatever seconds, minutes. Generally it was a minute or two or a minute and 30 seconds, 90 seconds and I would go and then everybody had to close their mouth and be silent. You would not believe how successful that game was and the kid, they actually asked to play. Can we play the quiet game? Can we play the quiet game? <laughs> and it's a game that I literally made up out of thin air and there were no prizes or rewards for it but it was just you know what I did do though I did give them sticks so all the students that were able to because I had a token system with popsicle sticks and all of the students that were able to remain silent during that whatever 90 second period then they would get sticks to put in their box and then with the popsicle sticks they were able to earn we had like a class store so they were able to buy things with their with their sticks but They love the game and it was the quiet game and it was something that I just made up. So keep that in mind that you don't necessarily have to go out and purchase these expensive board games and, uh, you know, your Connect Four and all of these things, but sometimes you can just make up a game and the kids will love it. So I would love to hear if any of my listeners incorporate games into your classroom, give me some shout outs Share some experiences. I would love to hear about your successes and your failures, right? Because really there is no such thing as a failure, right? If it doesn't work, you got to just learn from it, tweak it, try something different. Share your successes, share your failures, your journey, your learning experiences with us so that we can learn right along with you as well. Because remember, this is a journey. This is a journey and we're in this together. So I'd love to hear about your success stories. Do you have any questions or comments that you would like to add to this discussion? If so, head on over to our Facebook page where we welcome your comments. Thanks for listening to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast. And I hope to see you here at the same time next week.